Hello, Docalos. Are you ready to get your docs off with some more hot doc talk? I can imagine if this is your first time hearing the documenteers, I'm sure your finger is dangling over the unsubscribe button after that opening sentence, but I beg you to please stay. My name is Bob Sham, and I'm the host of this podcast. You're hearing the documenteers, the greatest documentary themed podcast in the universe. There are very few others, and they seem like nice folks, but there's only one best documentary themed podcast, and it's the one you're hearing right now. Each week, myself and a fellow enthusiast discuss a documentary and the topics presented within said documentary and cast our fair but firm judgment. This week's doc is one you can't not know about if you have any memory of the early 90s. The 90s are so hot right now, and the cultural zeitgeist has been looking back upon it. In hindsight, is much more enlightened, but we're just so bad at applying it to the present. In 1993, a woman cut off her husband's penis, and the media the world over became obsessed. Not hard to imagine why, but the conversations and culture around this wild story forced our society to have a long overdue discourse about marital violence. Angela and I discussed the documentary series Lorena, directed by Joshua Rofi, produced by Jordan Peele, and available to view on Amazon Prime Video, the classic 90s tabloid tale of Lorena and John Wayne Bobbitt, the penis he was lucky to get back. If you don't know this story, then I envy you getting to experience it for the first time. Once upon a time, the country lost its collective shit over this story. Keep in mind, though, this docuseries isn't called The Story of Sad Man, Sad Penis, as much as John Wayne Bobbitt would like it to be called that. It's called Lorena. But old Johnny Dum Dum does show up. I'd say this four-hour-long series is worth your time. Recommended. I point this out mainly because I think there's some interesting beats and a bizarre revelation at the very end. We do spoil things pretty good on this podcast. Just giving you a rare heads up. If you've been thinking about this one, go for it. Otherwise, off we go. Next week on the show, Johnny joins me as we discuss a documentary we've been wanting to get into for a long time. And we're very excited to bring the discussion to you. Maybe if you were a particularly religious kid in the late 80s and 90s, a youth pastor or a religious school made you watch this stark warning about the dangers of that most vile of musical genres rock and roll a satanic panic feature that introduced christian kids everywhere to some really deep cut influential punk and metal bands of the day i bought this hard to find dvd for 17 bucks the guy i bought it from sent me two additional end time prophecy movies considered odd as hell by christian kids who had to sit through it and bizarrely appreciated by the so-called secular sinners who love their heavy rock and roll. We will be discussing Hell's Bells, The Dangers of Rock and Roll, directed by Eric Hollander and Eric Holmberg. I couldn't find the original streaming for free anywhere. The sequel is all over YouTube if you want to check that out. Slightly more 90s acts, but the same principle. Find out how evangelical children knew who King Diamond was. That's next week, here on The Documenteers. Music clip credits for docu-series we record after each episode as we watch it, and I like to put musical transitions between each part. It's fun. For this episode, we got some fun stuff, and yes, there is a song out there called Lorena Bobbitt. There's a song for everything out there, and it's performed by the New Zealand singer Aradna, I think I say that right, from her 2012 album Treble and Reverb, a fun tune to start the transitions. After that, we hear the song the boy from the garage pop group Shannon and the Clams off of the record Onion released just last year. After that, we hear the song Catherine by PJ Harvey off of the classic 90s album Is This Desire? 
After that, we hear another 90s classic from the indie pop group Stereolab with their song Crest from the album Transient Random Noise Bursts with Announcements. Drink one to the memory of the late Mary Hansen, who we lost in 2002, and is a big reason why that song and record are so much fun. Finally, we end it all with a tune from what just might be my favorite punk record of all time, top three at least, another late great artist lost from this band. Rest in peace, Polystyrene. She sings us out with the song I Live Off You by the influential band X-Ray Specs off the classic album Germ-Free Adolescence. There, that was fun. I feel like a big-time radio guy there. And, hey, all these bands are fronted by women. Huh. How about that? Let's get to the dick chop and onward to Lorena by Joshua Rofi. DrPetersPodcast.com. Five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts helps us out big time. Oh, and also, at some point in the episode, I mean to say Thelma and Louise, but I say Laverne and Shirley. You'll know it when you hear it. I love you, and keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. Sixteen thousand separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I get the Prince William Hospital where I meet a couple of the Manassas City police officers that had been previously dispatched to the call. One of the officers who I know uh, came to me and he goes, Danny, you're not going to believe this. And uh, I was like, whoa, what's, what's up? And he goes, um, this guy's wife pulled his dick off. about it <laughs> angelo there's something that in year two of the documenteers i've noticed that we're taking a lot less notes yeah there's a lot of episodes and it was like this with a few uh leaving neverland was one where when we're watching episode after episode we're not taking notes we're just watching it absorbing it coming onto the microphone and reacting emotionally and also last year we only had one documentary series in that whole year this is our third. Yeah, we took a lot of notes when we did that first Evil Genius. Too many notes. Docu series was like 12 or 14 pages of notes on my notepad. Granted, I have terrible handwriting and it was all really big and scribbly because we were watching something, but especially with these docu series when there's so many different little things you need to pick up on and pay attention to, taking notes is even harder for me. You either write down everything. Or what we've started doing, just write down names and dates. Yeah. Because I definitely had some notes for Abducted in Plain Sight, but they were more just so we could keep time frames straight. Yeah. I'm not against notes. We will always have note-heavy episodes. But the emotional reaction episodes, I think, are better sometimes. More yeah. impactful. You get some more off-the-cuff moments with them. You're We're not such note slaves. I think sometimes the notes hinder us in that way i think the first time we realized that we could do that and that it could be fun and we wouldn't completely fuck it up was the pill episode yeah that's right because we were so sick we couldn't take notes and focus but we're watching a documentary series i believe this is on amazon prime yeah i think amazon prime or netflix let me tell you angela the 90s 
are hot right now. Yeah. We saw Captain Marvel. I mean, this will drop a month after we recorded it. Sure, so sure. So we watched Captain Marvel. It's all 90s. A couple years ago, we had a couple different O.J. Simpson murder shows. There's that Versace thing we haven't watched yet. Yeah. There was something about the um, Menendez brothers not too long ago. There's all kinds of John Bonet Ramsey shit that's popped up over the last couple of years. Revisiting yeah. all these true crime cases from our childhood when we maybe didn't really understand all the things that were happening at the time. Yeah, yeah. We're really... So much time has passed on this, and this was like the thing to talk about for a year, unless you were Jay Leno and you talked about it for the next 20 years. We're watching Lorena, directed by Joshua Rofe, or Rofe, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Is it like R-O-F-F-E? It's R-O-F-E, and the E has the little thing over it. Accent, the accent mark? Yeah. It's probably Rofe. like Rofe. Produced by Jordan Peele. Nice. He's getting that dude's getting around, huh? At this point in time, if it says Jordan Peele, I will check it out. No question asked. Like, you don't have to tell me what it's about just because the things I feel like he's been behind have been such quality. He's I want to see them. I'm like so excited about the Twilight Zone. He's a talented dude. Well, yeah. which is only on CBS Street. And he's hosting it. It's not like whatever, but because he's tied to it, I'm like, oh, this should be good. They've tried to bring back the Twilight Zone like 20 times. I have and high it just hopes. Has tanked every time. I have high hopes for this one. Also, because looking at the previews, they've just cast everyone I love yeah. to be in the show just to see some of these actors that I love that I feel like I don't see enough of. I'm looking at the IMDb cast list of Lorena here. We have not watched it. We are about to go watch it. I'm excited to watch it. Before I go through the cast list, uh, tell me everything you know about this scenario. So, from my memory, Lorena Bobbitt is a woman who was in an abusive marriage and something happened and she snapped. And my memory is that she cut her husband's penis off with a pair of scissors and then threw it out her car window. And then I think they found her in her car sleeping at her job or something. And then I know later... He became a porn star after he got a new big penis. That's what I remember about this story. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of how I heard it. I do know that domestic abuse was involved. Even recall uh, that at the time, everyone kind of believed Lorena. But the fact that this guy had a penis and it got cut off was still like the main focus with everything. The one thing that I remember the most, though, about her in this story that really hit me as like a young girl was... The conversation, which seemed to be the first time a lot of people were having this conversation of you could be raped by your husband. There's kind of this understanding, especially if you grew up in a society that really valued woman takes care of the house, man is in charge, like woman does with a man. Sure. I mean, I didn't grow up in that, but people did. And that was sort of like how society wanted to imagine it was still functioning, I guess, like in the 80s and whatever. There was this whole idea of that there's no way he could have raped her because he was her husband. But people believed that she was being abused. People are a little more aware of things nowadays. But, yeah. But the 90s was, we were all progressing towards something. The 90s were not an enlightened time. No, not at all. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There was still sort of this. TV was like booming. We hadn't quite really reached the internet age. It's the days of TGI Friday. Yeah, TGIF. Yeah. You mean TGIF? I mean TGIF. The, but that's the what ABC the F stands for family, is Friday. The ABC block of family funny. programming. Because there's also like a restaurant chain. I know. I meant the TV. I was playing off the fact that you said TV was booming. TGIF was a big deal. It's Friday night and the mood is right. 
So I want to drop some <laughs> names. Here's some names. I'll just name a few that are in this cast. Uh, oh, you know, Joe Biden is in this series. I'm sure it'll all explain itself as we watch it. But what are you yeah, doing, Joe? He's on like three episodes. Jenny Jones. That makes sense. All those talk show hosts at the time. Bill Clinton is on two episodes. How He is on half of all documentaries we watch, it seems like. He just pops up. How is he tied to this? Well, he was president at the time. He probably talks about, imagine he talks how, about how good Lorena Bobbitt looks. She can cut off my penis, right? Probably something like that. <laughs> oh, God. Katie Couric. Whoopi, that makes sense. Whoopi Goldberg, who I think caught the penis after Lorena <laughs> threw it out the window. No. And your dead body be just a welcome man I need. I think that's why was she's Whoopi, in here. Whoopi Goldberg was still like a movie star at this time. I mean, now she's a television personality and on is it the view that she's on she's on one of those yeah, like daytime she's on, she's groups of women talk shows I mean, we don't watch daytime tv we have jobs just weird that like the people like katie Couric, jenny jones people who were like talking about news at the time makes sense i'm very interested to see why whoopi goldberg is there because she was an actress at the time pretty much only she wasn't like a correspondent or a news-ish person uh steve harvey shows up in this okay for two episodes <laughs> anita hill who brought charges, uh, yes. who accused, what's his fuck, of sexual um, harassment. He was like a judge. And Anita Hill was brought through the ringer yeah. by Joe Biden during those testimonies. Oh, that's probably why he's there to talk about the culture. Yeah, that he contributed negatively yeah. to. We do look at Joe Biden like he's Uncle Joe, doesn't say all the right things, but weirdly relatable. He's like an entrenched fucking politician who knows how to fucking do shit. He's not just Uncle Joe. This guy knows how to fucking... Oh, yeah. If there's an Illuminati, Joe Biden's fucking yeah, in listen, the listen, our, imp our impression of who Joe Biden is, we wouldn't even know who Joe Biden was if he could not also be, like, a ruthless politician. Because you can't get up as high as he did without being that. Yeah. Regardless of your politics. And he's smart enough to know if I ride the train with the normal people, that will just help me. Uh, let's see, Bob Barker shows up. Gay Talese, the writer from, um, the, it's the first episode we did for Documenteers. Oh, yeah. The voyeur. The guy the voyeur, in the voyeur. Yeah. Gay Talese. Gay Talese. In, in his little suits. Howard Stern. Tanya Harding shows up in one episode. <laughs> They're just going pop culture route with that. Alan the Dirtbag Dershowitz, who's a big time lawyer. One of O.J. Simpson's lawyers oh, back in sure, the day. Sure. He's like a royal piece of shit. Is alleged to have been on this pedophile flight. That this dude named Jeffrey Epstein I've heard that chartered. Name. And uh, it's also alleged that Donald Trump and Bill Clinton were on those flights at different times. And I believe it. I just mm. want to point that out. David Hasselhoff, because why not? <laughs> David Hasselhoff just might show up in a clip or something. Like, we don't really... I'm assuming a lot of these are talking heads, but it might not be like that. No, but if they asked David Hasselhoff, you know he would say yes. So if we ever make a documentary, we should ask David Hasselhoff to talk on it. How is Jay Leno not showing up on here? They don't throw up one Jay Leno bit. I may have to drop a, an Errol Morris if there's not one bad <laughs> Jay Leno joke. In this hey, what's going on over there? Jay, go back to sleep. Have you heard the one about Monica Lewinsky? <laughs> they pass back out. All right, let's get our laughs out now because I have a feeling we're not going to laugh for at least two episodes. Yeah, but when we get into like three and four, I think we'll be there'll be some like I've heard laughing and some women's empowerment. I've heard things get hopeful at the end, 
and I'm looking yeah. forward to that. So I will admit I'm going into this having heard good things about this series, but I'm excited to really find out the details of this thing that I feel like I only know surface. Everyone knows a little bit of something, but I do feel like there's a lot I can learn here. I'm really excited to get yeah. into it. All right, the 90s are hip again, y'all. Let's get into it. It's going to be rad. L- radical Cowabunga, eat my shorts. <laughs> With Lorena by Joshua Rafi. Let's go. Is it true? Have you heard of that girl, Lorena Bobby? Bella Angela, Jay here. <laughs> I was wondering if uh, I could tell you a joke. Okay. What did Monica Lewinsky say to Lorena Bobbitt? What? What'd she say, Jay? Lyle Menendez. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to go lay down. Good, good night. I'm saying Good night, Jay. Wow, Jay will not leave our house. I know. Um, so I feel oh, very foolish. Why? Because when you were reading like the IMDb cast of this documentary, I was picturing it as though those were all the talking heads who were going to be in the <laughs> documentary, which is why my whole Whoopi Goldberg tirade made no sense because, <laughs> because I thought... Well, I said while we were going through it that there's no way these are all... I know. Talking head. But I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking because it's just so rare that we ever look at cast list for a documentary. You know what? Looking back, I had a lot of fun going through that IMDb list. That was really fun. <laughs> um, but obviously Whoopi Goldberg was on there because she was a comedian at the time and she told some jokes, which most of these people yeah. did. Uncle Joe, they just showed a picture of him because they were talking about the- You mean Joe Biden. Yes. We <laughs> there's also I think uh, the Medea family there's an Uncle Joe I think he's the one that gets high on all the time. Oh, I I don't know I haven't seen only one of those films. But anyway, let's do it. Chapter one. So uh, Lorena Bobbitt. No, <laughs> go back to sleep, no. Jay. Go back to sleep. Go uh, wax one of those cars, Jay. Yeah, Jay. <laughs> yeah, Jay. <laughs> get out! Get out of here. Okay. Uh, chapter one was called. The night of the incident or something like that? It's it's the night the shit went down. It's chapter the one. The night the shit went down in Virginia. And they just start out straight immediately with it. You see current day John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah, looking great. He's not aged well. She has. She's very pretty. <laughs> now, she she is very, she's very she's a beautiful. very lovely woman. Yes. Even now, like, she's aged well. Yeah, well. she's beautiful. One thing I want to say up top. John Wayne Bobbitt, we see the old images of him. He's like a Marine, apparently. He was a Marine. Yeah, he just looked like a clean-cut kind of jock dude. He's a very jocular type, wanted to be the fastest and the strongest. For a long time, he was. America knows John Wayne Bobbitt after he gets his dick cut off. Sure, sure. But it's it's he seemed, my guess is that after you go through that, Something's got to change in this brain. He seemed completely vulnerable, but maybe that's just because of how we perceive with the dick being chopped off. But from the point of more vulnerable than he did before his dick got chopped off. I'm actually very curious where we'll go in the second and third and fourth parts of this. I mean, this watching the trial, we'll get to what's happening. But so obviously, like the second part's probably going to be more trial. But in three and four, because I remembered as we were watching this, something about John Wayne Bobbitt from more recent news that was sort of disturbing 
And I don't know if they'll get into that, but it's made me look at him in sort of this like, are you playing a game of being vulnerable right now? He seems really good I don't good trust at it. him, even though apparently, when they were looking into all of this, they had him see a psychologist that basically said he was incapable of being a liar. He just, his brain didn't work well enough to be able to lie. <laughs> Which is one of the most weirdest defenses I've ever heard in my life. What's the name? Of, we didn't take down any names or anything. DAs and defense attorneys and all that stuff. Nah. But <laughs> but who the fuck comes to that conclusion that this person is incapable? No one is incapable of lying. True. Absolutely true. So, okay. So, real quick. What we've seen so far. He, he was saying he's too fucking dumb to lie. Is that, that is. What he was basically. Basically. So, the whole thing was that he. So, the story is. Go ahead. She cuts off his penis. Whoa, for real? For real. I thought it was a scissors. It was just a knife. A seven-inch knife. Just a knife. Yeah, no big deal. No it. big. Heard it was a good clean cut, though. Perfectly clean cut. So he gets to the hospital. All of a sudden, you know, policemen are getting phone calls. They're trying to just communicate over the radio what's happened, so they don't want to say words like penis. Why? Well, this is like early 90s. I think, honestly, all these cops thought that they would be somehow turn gay if they said the word penis. The man who found the penis wouldn't pick up the penis because of his religious. Put a foot on it. What what are you talking about? What does your religion prevent? I don't know, but that was their excuse for him. They're like he was a religious man, so he didn't want to actually touch it. <laughs> they said that. Is he afraid the temptation of holding a severed penis he might stick it in his mouth Bobby, or butt? Bobby, if the fingertips of one man touches the penis of another man, he's immediately gay. Did you not know that? I did not. So Every doctor is is gay. Yeah. Because every general practitioner, every urologist. I believe that 100%. Every man who's given a prostate exam to another man. That is correct. According to the rules of of this small town and this guy's religion. That's what that... Anyway, stop. Okay. (laughs) So... Uh, I'm religious. That's just something he said, like I right know. there. Uh, I can't touch it. Uh, I'm religious. Uh, but so, I think he was scared. He was going to shove it up his butt. One of the guys, maybe, maybe he was afraid he'd put it in his mouth. Let me clean Not that. because of like sexual reasons, just because he'd be like polite. It's just a nice thing to do. <laughs> well, okay, but the reason I say that is because for a while. When they didn't know where it was, they thought maybe it was because she swallowed it. They thought right. she swallowed it. Like, she obviously didn't bite it off because it was a clean cut. That was just one of their theories was that, well, maybe she swallowed the penis because we can't find it. But so what happened was he's in the hospital. They're trying to get one of the policemen actually did say the reason he wouldn't say the word penis over the radio is because he knew that, like, news people listened into their radio frequencies. And he knew that if he said that a man's penis had been cut off over the radio, there would immediately be media there. And so they were trying to, like, not let that happen. They might step on it. They're so lucky that a dog, a dog which can smell shit from miles away. Oh, yeah. Didn't just walk through this patchy yard. Because this happened, like, in the middle of the night, and I think they found it by the morning. Like, they found it in enough time to reattach it. They found it that night. In the middle of the night, yeah. I mean, we pop in, call to 911, penis is off. straight off the beginning. And then we start kind of backing into... John and Lorena, current day, kind of step into the picture. And Lorena actually is kind of laughing about it, trying to tell, like, the occurrence and the story of what happened. Find it and pick it up, I guess, from a, from a grassy area. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
gotten into the part of her trial yet. So, but <laughs> the whole thing is that she like starts giggling because she's talking about how she threw it out of the car. From my memory, she kind of blanked out during that part. Like yeah. she didn't even know when they she asked did. her where it was. She was like, go look at the apartment. And they were like, it's not in the apartment, Lorena. What did you do with the penis? She really didn't know. So to me, it's almost like saying it, even though she lived it. And this has been like a giant part of her life. Still sounds so silly. Like if somebody said to you, hey, Bobby, what would you do if Angela cut your penis off and threw it out her car on the side of the field? Like that sounds preposterous. Like not yeah. that I would do that. You have no reason to cut your penis off. It just doesn't sound like something anyone would do for any reason whatsoever. And so to her, because she has no actual memory of it, I think it's just the absurdity of what she did. Yeah. That she cannot explain Deep Harvey. Joining us now, please welcome Lorena Bobby. Steve Harvey had the very important question to her, which we haven't heard her answer to yet, of uh, Lorena. Think? What made you take it, though? I mean, you cut it off. Why you leave with it? That's what I'm... <laughs> now, we got to go find it. Yes. You know, who you out here? You got grass on it? I'm trying... They did. They did. It's a good question, Steve Harvey. And we also see Jenny Jones. Everyone got scared. Like, the, everyone imagined what would happen if their penis got cut off. Well, yeah, these men were like... She did the she did something to him worse than death. No, she didn't because he's still alive. Yeah, it's and not his worse penis than, got fixed. his penis is back. And she he's not dead. Very few things that I would consider worse than death. I mean, there are certain things that would be torture. His experience was brief, and it ended up okay. Now, if they'd never found his penis, and he essentially had no penis at all, I could see you being more mad. You know, I guess I'm very much like the outcome was all right. Objectively speaking, as a man imagining getting my dick cut off is very frightening. Even if I just try to fake punch you anywhere near it, you get real upset. Yeah, I just don't like it when, <laughs> when you hurt my balls. I'm not trying to hurt your balls. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> See what I live with, folks? See this? It's fucked up. So anyway, John goes in. John goes in, they find the penis. Yes, we see the severed penis. We do. And we do see uh, John Poppins' lower body scrot sack with no penis above yeah. it. Yeah, and it's just like a big circle and where they, it would be. And they go in and they get a microsurgeon. Mm -hmm. John's like, hey, doc, don't you need uh, a, a macro surgeon? And they're like, no, John, <laughs> we need a micro surgeon, right, buddy? So there was a microsurgeon and a urologist. Yeah. And they stitched him up. Urologist? Yeah. <laughs> Ur urologist. <laughs> We're having a good time. I mean, listen, can we just talk about the fact no one dies this time? Yeah. We're not that's true. <laughs> I just feel like. Yeah, it does feel good. Everyone's no one's okay. Everyone's in these interviews. There's some uh, alleged domestic abuse, which I seem, which seems like that's yeah, real. Yes, I, I have a feeling we're gonna go. And we're gonna break that down. We just don't know all the details. I have yet. a feeling we're gonna go harder into the domestic abuse on this one. After episode one, we're still kind of laughing because I mean, episode one, it's it's very much John sitting in his couch that makes him look really tiny yeah. with his giant like Truck. gas station trucker cup his, his trucker cup yeah Lorena talking about kind of what she remembers as well we've seen these clips from like the news that was happening at the time there was the comparison made to Anita Hill that's they, where we saw Joe Biden to contextualize the way the reason that when women had claimed 
things like rape or sexual harassment at this yeah. time. It could be public, but they were never prosecuted. Well, and it's again like the thing I mentioned before too about a husband raping a wife. They don't they haven't gone into it a super lot at this point, but there really was that conception of like, but he's your husband, he can't really be raping you. Or if he was raping you sometimes, why would you have sex with him other times? Which the answer to that is, well, I I knew he was going to do it whether he was going to do it or not. So Sometimes I just chose not to fight him. It's a hard gray area for some people to understand. I definitely think that sort of thing has got to be like so much more common than anyone. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. It's got to, rape within marriage has definitely got to be something that happens a lot out in the world. But it is incredibly, for obvious reasons, very hard to prove. Yeah. Extremely hard to prove. It's hard for me to fault juries unless there's just something... Well, let's get into this. It takes a while for Lorena to kind of tell her story because she's very much in an English second language scenario. And she's she's more articulate now, but she wasn't that articulate then. Yeah. And suddenly it's like a media onrush and she does not know how to handle it. She's more like scared and paranoid than anything else. Yeah. And her only like true friend was also her boss. And that's who she had gone to that night after it happened. This woman named Jana. Yeah. And Jana recognized very quickly that this was going to overtake Lorena. She talked to a friend of a friend and got her basically a media publicist so that when someone tried to ask her a question, she didn't have to say anything because part of his fear was she was going to be misunderstood, which she was for sure a lot. So she would just hand them this card with his information on it and he would take it from there. But that also led into the very awful thing that happened with, what was the newspaper? Was it the Washington Post? Yeah, they had printed her name and they thought that, well, since, since she got a publicist, she hired a publicist, like a way a celebrity would do, that there's no reason not to put her name in print. Which was, again, another misunderstanding because the only reason she got the publicist was that so she would have someone help speak for her when needed, but not but because she wanted to be famous. That's not the sole duty of a publicist, though. I mean, a, a publicist can do that, but that's like just a part of their job. I know, but I'm just saying that was a misconception that she was going to try to use this to become famous. She was already famous and Jana knew that she needed someone to manage that. I meant celebrity famous, not news famous. Like they, that's what I thought they meant was basically that like, well, we're going to use her name now because she wants everybody to know who she is. And that wasn't a thing. She really didn't want anybody to know who she was. Although then they did a Vanity Fair article. That was her one article. Yes. And they did this photo shoot with her that made her look like a model. I mean, she's beautiful. Well, they pointed out in that interview that she seemed incredibly like she wasn't quite ready. Yeah. She was having a hard time expressing her thoughts and feelings, but she did manage to get out there that the reason that she did this was because John had raped her. Mm-hmm. And so before her trial goes for mutilation charges or whatever, the trial is set up of whether or not he had raped her. And this is the unfortunate thing that happens way too often in trials like this, where for whatever stupid fucking reason, there's a time limit set on what can be discussed. And for some reason, they said that they could only talk about five days leading up to the incident to prove that he had abused her. They had to prove that things happened within those five days that caused her to do this. Yeah, which is insane. This is is state law at that time. That's the, the reason they could only do it this way. They picked through the weeds of some things regarding whether or not her underwear was torn off or taken off. He claims... 
I mean, of course, John is making claims that don't look anything like rape. She's saying that he gets off on forced sex. And that he's been doing it for a long time. But you can't set up that cycle of violence if you can only talk about the last five days. Because within those last five days, he did rape her, but they also had consensual sex. And that's what I was talking about a minute ago. She did have consensual sex with him. But that was because she didn't want him to rape her that time. Yeah. She was like, it's going to happen no matter what I do. This is just one of those so unfortunate he said, she said situations where there's not physical evidence to prove. And this pair of underwear that was torn, that was like her proof was that he tore my underwear. But they had a forensic person look at it and say that it must have been cut. It was like impossible to tear. Yeah, that seems so... The way he was talking about testing, it seems so flawed in so many ways like was he tearing it at the right place i mean if he did come up and just tear it he wasn't like how would they know this is just like quick actions after quick action he's trying to reenact the tear and he says he can only get it close when he cuts it i mean sometimes things tear right along like a line you know this is really the only evidence they had to present in terms of whether or not he had raped her that night and other than i guess the extremities of her actions when cutting his dick off well yeah and the there had two jurors that they interviewed one guy who seemed to be enjoying himself an extreme lot to be interviewed like the guy seemed like he was really enjoying it the lady was interesting because she was talking about the underwear and she said that i think up until that point she believed her but then the underwear put doubt because she was like if this really happened and this was really true why would she now lie about this i have an argument for that I don't know what'll come out. I don't know if Lorena will speak on it. Even if she cut that underwear, because their argument was she cut his penis off. She left the scene of the crime. She threw it out the window. She went to her job, which was a nail salon. There's scissors at the nail salon. So they basically said she went to the nail salon to cut her underwear up. That is not what I think happened. Oh, is that what they were implying? Yes. Okay. They were like, you go to the place where the scissors are. Like, it was a little (laughs) ridiculous. As if every house doesn't have scissors. I know. Well, here's what I would say. Maybe he didn't rip her underwear and maybe she did tear them. If she tore them, that was a desperate act of a woman to try to, who realized, I don't have any proof. They're not going to believe me. Mm-hmm. I need them to believe me. What can oh, I yeah. do? And so if she did, I don't, even if she cut those underwear and tore them herself, that to me does not disprove the fact that he raped her and abused her for years and years. Because sometimes you feel like, uh, there's no way no one's going to believe me because you already think no one's going to believe you. Because no one believes half of anybody who comes forward. Well, the jury declares John Bobbitt not guilty. I can understand why. There's just not a lot to go on. If you have like a shadow of a doubt as to whether or not there is guilt or not guilt, you have to be pretty absolute. That's what they tell you to be. 100%. You can't convict someone if it's a sh- if there's a doubt. I mean, I have a funny feeling, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier, over something that you've heard. That the case against Bobbitt, so-called peaceful, dumb, so dumb can't lie nature, is just going to look more and more weak. Yeah, definitely. And there's a very funny part where his lawyer comes outside after the trial and is doing a big press conference. John's testimony yesterday was very persuasive. Anybody who's met John and spent time around with John, the one thing that everybody has told me consistently is that he's incapable of telling the truth. Even when it hurts him, he's incapable of telling the truth. I mean, I mean, telling a lie. Ah, ah, right back. Thank God I didn't say that upstairs. It's very funny. 
he's got to go back in court before the end of the, that month because it's Lorena's trial on mutilation or whatever yeah. she's being charged with. And that's the trial that everyone's really looking forward to. Yeah. Because I think she's going to have to be on the... She didn't really get an opportunity to tell her story, especially with that weird law. But we'll see what happens going in because everyone's more excited about this trial. And there's going to be cameras in this one. So in the trial, to say whether or not he raped her, they did not allow cameras in. So there's a lot of like drawings. But this one, there's going to be videotape. The courtroom artist... Unsung heroes, they're often so good, you mm-hmm. know? And there's, like, speed there, too. That's, like, good cartooning and the way he's capturing people's features and stuff. That's really good. Like, there's good artists, but you got to be, like, a very specific type of artist to pull that off. But anyway, we're going to go into the second episode now. Yep. And uh, hold on to it. Bye. Bye. When I was a boy, I loved not to cry. Okay, so we just watched episode two of Lorena by Joshua Rofi. Yes. And we are post John Wayne Bobbitt's defense trial. Seemed like he had the the roses thrown out for him on that one. He seemed to, they only allowed for five days worth of incident to call upon. Nothing before, nothing after. It was basically, he was acquitted of... What was the exact charge? Was it rape or was it he like just yeah abuse like, that he would raped her that night that she did that he was being charged for rape that just night. for that night, which is why they said the why they gave the excuse for only doing five days. Well, so we're leading up to uh, Lorena's defense trial, and her publicist and shit managed to get it pushed back and back into January, where it happens <laughs> to be high TV ratings. Meanwhile, John Bobbitt's lawyers is like, you need to go off to this ranch out here and just hang out. And you see pictures of him on the ranch, hanging out with cows. Yeah. Hey guy who just got your penis reattached, ride some horses. He said, he told a story about getting kicked in his dick. Oh yeah. And it's like, damn, he said a bull kicked him. And it's like, wow, dude, if a bull kicked you in the dick, you're very lucky. He also says that while he was there, he had a girlfriend, and they had lots of great sex. Yeah, just to show, like, my penis worked, god dang it. But he couldn't stay with that girl, because he couldn't stay at the ranch forever. I so, it, was she real? I thought it was going to take two years for this shit to heal, and this guy's talking about... We don't even know if he's telling the truth. I don't believe him. Because he's talking about how he wished he'd stayed with this girl, because I was like, oh, are we about to meet this lady? There was like, not a photo. He's like, no, there's no. She didn't mean that much. I mean, no offense, lady, if you're real, but, like, they didn't show a photo of them together. She's really into stitchy dicks. Ooh. Dicks with stitches in them. Mmm, stitchy dick. But John can't, he doesn't want to hang on the ranch. His lawyer told him to lay low. But he's got to go win a John Wayne Bobbitt lookalike contest at Hooters in town. Howard Stern throws some thing for him where <laughs> they raise his money for him, and there's, like, a dicko meter. Yeah, they raise almost $200,000 for his penis. Yeah. 
don't understand. And he starts hawking shirts. Like, this guy seems to have no bones about reliving this moment over and over and over again. No, because he's famous now. But this guy, he's showing off shirts. Present day John Wayne Bobbitt's showing off shirts. Showing off shirts that he sold 25 years ago. And it shows a picture of a woman wielding a knife. Yeah. And it's like, man, you know, if you truly were the victim there. But this guy is like, this is the episode that really brings home. This motherfucker is dumb. D-U-M dumb. Yeah. Like dumb to dumb, dumb, dumb. (laughs) But so that's why he ignored his lawyer's advice and is now hawking merch, capitalizing on the fact that his dick got cut off. So he's going around having a great time. Meanwhile, Lorraine is essentially depressed and hiding at her friend Jana's house on the couch. Doesn't want to do Christmas. Doesn't want to go anywhere. Doesn't want to do anything because she's fucking depressed. She also, at this point, the prosecution comes to her and says, we want to offer you a plea deal. And if you'll say that this was premeditated, then you only have to do four months. Which to me, for like a second, I was like, maybe that's a good deal. But she can't do it because all she's wanted since she was 16 years old is to live in America permanently. And if she pleads guilty to this, then she has a felony and she cannot become an American. Right. And so it was more important to her to fight it and risk 20 years in prison instead of having to go back home. Like she wanted to stay in America. She wanted to become an American citizen. She's originally from Ecuador. Then her family moved to Venezuela. Yeah. She always wanted to come to America. So for quinceanera, instead of throwing a big party in Venezuela, she went up to America, loved it, When she turned 18, she came up on a student visa. Lived in, I think, Virginia? She has family here. Yeah. That are also from Venezuela. So she stayed with them. And they were very strict, very Catholic, I guess. And she meets this handsome Marine. And and yeah, he's a good looking guy in his young Marine uniform. They were a cute couple. And this is her first true boyfriend. Yeah, she's never even had an unchaperoned date before. She's right. definitely not had sex before. He is her first everything. And she even says on the stand that he was everything to her. Yeah. He represented everything. And they ended up eloping, and she never returned to the, the then mother's home. Yeah, and apparently according to someone in the family that she had been staying with previous, it was like an aunt or something, said that Lorena's parents were really happy because... From Venezuela, looking in, it looks like, hi, she's doing great. She's got a husband. She's going to stay in America. She's got a job. Like, she's being successful, and they are happy, but they've never met this guy. But the family in Virginia, they they, don't like him. They don't like him. The mom says he's good looking, but he doesn't seem to be like a good man. Yeah, and the the girls, so that family had two daughters. One was a year older than Lorena, one was a year younger than Lorena, and they neither one of them liked him. Yeah. They got a bad feeling from him. They say like to drink a whole lot. At this point, the trial starts. Yeah. This is kind of coming, starting to stuff we're talking about. It's coming out in the trial. So they're doing all these witnesses basically to set up from the beginning of their relationship after they got married. Within a month after they got married, the abuse, the physical abuse started. Yeah. And at first, the John Wayne's attorney is throwing up witnesses on his behalf friends who are around at certain points oh sure where maybe she like got jealous or something or these all sound very normal when you're in your very first relationship getting like very jealous like that like i didn't necessarily doubt those stories i just didn't think those stories disproved her claims 
she got mad at like an amusement park and I guess punch was punching scratched at him and scratching at him. I've seen people lose their shit. But also violence cycles. So yeah. where she feels afraid when she's alone with him, maybe slightly more emboldened to fight back if it's in front of people. Who knows? I'm not a psychologist. But that definitely happens. Sure. And then you pay for it later in some cases. Yeah. Or maybe that was before it had gotten to that point. The other interesting thing about that is the person who was telling that story was his sister-in-law. Right. And the first story Lorena tells about the first time that he ever punched her, his brother was in the back seat. Yeah. And his brother was encouraging his behavior. Well, we it's set up to where we see the witnesses for John's side. Yeah. And it's not looking good for Lorena. Yeah, I actually said to you, she does not look good right now. Tabloid-wise, she's like being raked over the coals. We mentioned Whoopi earlier. She actually does become a talking head in this She movie. really did. She's really in it. But she provides a good context for the time and the way a lot of women reacted and what a lot of women felt when they heard Lorena's story. But the time comes where it's Lorena's defense. Mm-hmm. And she does tell the story of the first time John hit her with his brother in the back seat. Something about where he was drunk coming out of the club or something. He's going really fast. She's getting scared. She grabs a steering wheel and he punches her hard in the chest. Yeah. And apparently the brother was in the back seat reacting like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. There's a scene in the first episode where John is on a talk show. He's surrounded by his family. He's sitting next to his dad. I can't remember off the top of my head the context as to why he ha- he was bringing this up in this way. I guess they were trying to say how John doesn't cry. And he talks about how... No, you could ask, and he's and he's point said his dad sitting next to him. He's like, I, I could deal with a lot of pain. Or, I mean, my father used to spank me, and you know, he tried to get me to cry. I wouldn't cry. My dad used to whip me a lot. He used to. You could ask him. He used to try to make me cry, and I wouldn't cry. And we were like, Wow, that doesn't look too good. And it doesn't seem to bother anybody in that family. Yeah, that they had been through that kind of a scenario. Obviously. John comes from, like, a lot of domineering, violent background in his family. It ain't that much of a stretch that he's going to bring that to his marriage. Well, and that's when I had the thought of, I don't know which of his brothers, he has two brothers, I don't know which wife that was that told the story about her scratching him in the face and losing her shit in public. It stands to reason that if his brothers are like him... His brothers may have lied for him. Yes. And that woman may have lied for him. That might not have happened at all. But they may have said, you're going to fucking say it did. I honestly legitimately was like, I hope that lady's okay. I'm not saying that every brother in the family would beat their wife, but they were obviously raised in a situation and they have a similar outlook on life. And if it it was okay for one of them, the potential is there, you know? like. Well, they're at least set up to think that this kind of abuse, this level of abuse is no big deal. Right. Because it's just him him controlling his woman. Yeah. And the woman needs to be put in her place. Right. It takes a lot of discipline to become a Marine, I guess, or a successful Marine. Yeah. But John apparently could not hold down a job. He preferred to stay out real late all the time and get drunk. And he would have jobs maybe two weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of neighbor testimony regarding that Lorena would be doing a lot And John would be doing nothing, even when it came to carrying groceries. That image struck me so hard because the guy talked about they had gone to the store and she was carrying all the groceries with like her head down and he's walking behind her all head up proud like he's the boss of everything. And that's just right there. 
that is their relationship. Yeah. He's swinging his dick around while she does all the heavy lifting. Not for long. Yeah. Yeah. There were some neighbors that we loved, and I would just like to give a shout out to the couple with the dog. Yeah, the dog's wearing a Thunder Buddy, it looks like. He, at one point, is up on his hind legs like he is people. It's so cute. The dude's on an oxygen machine yeah, with they, his lady friend. They're talking about how John was supposed to be a bouncer across the street, and the guy was like, he worked there for like three weeks, and the woman's like, I don't even know if he did, because I don't believe he ever really had anything going. And the guy talks about, too, like sometimes you'd see her getting picked up to go to work, and I'm sure it was Jana picking her up, and how her makeup would be really heavy that day. Yeah. And so you knew something was happening, and this is a problem that we have in our society, is that you see things like that, and you either pretend like that's not what you saw, you force the thought out of your head immediately, or you say like, man, I feel sorry for that girl. If she ever asked me for help, I'd help her, but you're not going to go offer, and you're not going to try to help. Well, I mean, a lot of times these things just aren't that clean. I mean, a lot of police officers, they go into these kind of calls, and they'll tell you these are often some of the more dangerous calls because of all the emotions. I mean, at the end of the day, the wife has to be able to be willing to take action, no matter how hard or how many threats she is under. But honestly, what are you going to do? Take the person home with you? I, I mean, guess I, I hear what you're saying. And even as I was saying it, I was like, what would I actually do? I think if anything, I would hope that if I saw a situation like that, I would convey to the person that if they ever needed anything or someone to talk to or somewhere to go, mm-hmm. that they could count on me. And that if they ever needed help, that I would help them find it. Obviously wouldn't promise that I could help myself because I don't know what that would be. Like you said, I couldn't take someone home, but like. Well, you used to work at a women's shelter. I did. You could recommend that. Absolutely. And there's different criteria for getting into different shelters. It's really difficult sometimes. The waiting list, they can be full. The shelter that I worked at in particular had a population of women who were in danger. They needed to be there because if they weren't there, their abuser was going to find them. And it was a dangerous situation and there were families there. And it was really difficult to sometimes get, you know, these phone calls too because... Someone might call just because they want to talk to somebody, but they're still not ready to even tell you their name or where they are or what's going on. Right. Lorena's defense comes up, and there's a lot of witnesses on her behalf, a lot of neighbors. Most of the neighbors that we talked to in the series, including ones that knew John personally and played basketball with him, they went on the stand and and they testified that John told them that he likes forced sex. Yeah. Forced anal sex. Yeah. Yeah. And as we talk to each neighbor and see each every witness, we see a lady on the stand. She's an older lady during this time wearing that oxygen mask thing where she talks about how she hears the fights and she could see what was going on mm-hmm. and knew it was abuse. But then she throws in like the same thing happened to me at one point in my life. And that couple we were talking about with the dog, they're telling their story. And the lady there talks about a relationship in her past. She alludes to a relationship in her past. I was like, yeah, my scenario wasn't that different. And then he talked to another dude, the one who John Wayne Bobbitt said, I like to force sex on women. That turns me on. He tells a story about how he used to watch his mom get abused and swore that if he could ever prevent that from happening to anyone else, that he would. Yeah. So this very interesting, this circle around them, the people who see them and hear them, not only are they like not buying John's bullshit, but they each have a story that reminds them something in their past 
that they connect to this abuse, the, the insidious nature of this abuse through things that they've been through or witnessed throughout their lives. Yeah. It's pointed out that men and women had different reactions to this hearing about this case, but it just, there's a reason why so many people automatically connected with Lorena. Everybody knows someone who was treated the same way that he treated her at some point in their lives. But her defense is very strong. Lorena goes on the stand and she's trying to describe anal rape and being hit and all this shit. She's having a hard time even saying the words. She looks like she's going to have a fucking panic attack. It's almost as though she's going to throw up. Like she's so nervous. And it's like physically she's trying to move forward to like make herself say the words she knows she has to say, but she can't get them out. She's making these little noises. It was breaking my heart. Yeah. Like I, that was not an act that was being put on. So then John takes the stand. All these same questions that they had asked these neighbors, these young kids, they were like 18, 19 years old that he was playing basketball with. All these people that saw her get hit, get pushed. Everything that they had just said, and they asked him, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you ever hit her? Did you ever rape her? And he's like, no, no, no. Do you enjoy forced sex? And he says, no. He did admit that he would push her and hold her down, which I can only imagine is his way of saying, like, that explains the few bruises and things that she may have had, is that he says it was self-defense, that he was holding her down so she wouldn't hit him. And then the show kind of starts bringing out instances of domestic violence being called. The first episode makes it seem like not much was called on it. But as it's revealed in this defense case, yeah, a lot of people were called. There's actually a false fact in the in his case that they stated at some point. And during his case, someone said that when the cops were called, three times John called them. And one time Lorena's mother called them and it was all on Lorena. Lorena was losing her shit. Yeah. So we didn't hear a single one of those calls in her case. Whatever. Each side omits the things that they don't want to come out. And maybe at some point he did call the cops. But that seems highly unlikely. But he straight up was saying, no, I do not remember this certain time that the cops were called. And yet his signature yeah. is on the paperwork. He, he was he, obviously there. He signed papers saying that he did abuse his wife. He's very selective about what he's choosing to remember yeah. and what he's not. And he's doing a fucking terrible job of keeping it straight. Because he admits to grabbing and holding, says he never punched. Yet he has signed papers that say, yeah, I assaulted, you know, I assaulted my wife. And then there was a, a cop testified that when he went over that he's reeked. He was drunk as shit. And, but on the stand, he just decided to say, no, he was not drunk that night. He ended up looking like a fucking idiot because he is, and he can't keep his shit straight. And because he's a fucking stupid asshole, the only thing, when you're a stupid asshole like that, and you're not willing to understand what a stupid asshole you are, mm. you're pretty much just going to be like an abusive control freak. That was John's case because yeah. there was no control in any other way. This loser couldn't hold down a job. Did he even get out of the Marines honorably? I don't even know how that worked. I don't think they said one way or the other, but even when he was in the Marines, Lorena paid for absolutely everything. Yeah. The entire relationship. All their shit was getting foreclosed on. Yeah. One of the things they did try to bring up against her, the prosecution tried to say, oh, P.S., it's the same prosecutor. The same prosecutor who tried to prosecute John is now trying to prosecute Lorena, which is crazy, but yeah. it's the same dude. And he made something where he was like, it doesn't really matter. 
a case is a case. It's the state against the person, whatever. It was weird. Yeah. But the prosecution did bring up that Lorena shoplifted from Nordstrom and stole about $7,000 from Jana, which I thought was really interesting because if she stole it from her job, if that's the job she had, that means she stole that money from Jana. But obviously, if Jana found out, it didn't make her hate her because she knew what kind of situation she was in. Yeah, Jana seemed to have inside information. Well, John has been raked over the coals. The tabloids go from, look at this crazy lady, to this fucking guy might be a monster. Yeah. And uh, and that and then we are left hanging there, and now we go into episode three. Tres. Tres. We have watched part three. What's it called? Irresistible impulse. Irresistible impulse. Yeah, because that's what you have to prove is that Lorena was temporarily insane. And because of the issues that she was having, it was an irresistible impulse to cut off that dick's dick. Irresistible impulse. To me, it sounds like like a synth band, like a new one. <laughs> irresistible impulse. Yeah, impulse makes me think of like quick beats or something. I, I want know. it to be like a purple background with teal, like you know the cursive writing where you can like see through the letters a little bit. As I was watching this third episode, Irresistible uh-huh. Impulse, I realized that you know at the time a lot of people just treated this like tabloid trash, and a lot of it was filtered through a trash filter of media and tabloid. Totally. But as I'm watching this. I'm like, I had totally underestimated that this was actually important. The layered conversations that society was having regarding this, that is until Tanya Harding cracked Nancy Kerrigan in the knee and then all of America was suddenly talking about that, which happened right around when Lorena's trial was going on. Although the Lorena trial was still big on court TV. So Lorena's happening and then Tanya pops Nancy and then also during this time, the Menendez trial is happening. Yeah. Who's your favorite Menendez, Eric or Lyle? I don't really know the difference between them except one has a toupee. You just got to pick one. You got to pick a favorite and you got to stick with it. Eric. I'll go Lyle. Okay. <laughs> we haven't we haven't brushed up on that one. I'm sure that <laughs> docu-series is a coming. And we also see as Lorraine is going through this, she's, uh, she's on the stand talking about how she goes through abuse and she's the way she's communicating how she's controlled seems very very familiar mm-hmm. to a certain group of people mainly spanish-speaking immigrants in the united states and a lot of people in the manassas area around maryland a lot of that community comes out to support lorena and it's a huge deal very inspiring I moment there started crying it was so touching these people who literally had nothing taking the train as far as the train would go, picking each other up, offering rides to people. One woman told a story about how she only had five bucks in her pocket and she wasn't sure how she was going to get from the train station to the courthouse because there was no other public transportation. And she talked to this cab driver and was basically like, how much would it cost? And he said, I'll take you for free. My mom was abused. 
I'll just drive you there because you're going to support this woman. Because a lot of the words that John was saying to her were like derogatory, saying that she didn't speak well enough and demeaning her because of where she was from and also threatening her that he was going to like take her papers away. And present day John is talking about Lorena because we're kind of reliving that night again in this episode. And he's talking about how, oh, you know, she's from South America and she just wants everything. Which doesn't even make any sense. He's still kind of pigeonholing her in that way. Yeah. Talking about her nationality. And it is rough. You know, English isn't her first language. She didn't speak it very well when she first came to America. So it was very easy for this man, this handsome young Marine, to weasel in with this girl and then proceed to strip her dignity. And that's what a lot of these immigrant groups recognize because that's something that they go through all the time. And I can't help, I can't, I can't help but think about what immigrants and we specifically Spanish speaking immigrants. And if you have a, a Middle Eastern accent, like what you're going through today, they don't talk about how white hate crime is increased in the country, how immigrants have been scapegoated for years. And they've definitely been scapegoated in the Trump administration but it's actually been brewing. They've been baiting this kind of thing for a very long time. Immigrants aren't the problem in our society. Machines are taking your fucking jobs. That boss man at the coal mine, he's got something that does what 10 of you motherfuckers do, man. Mm. Also, during this time, and I'll just I'll just talk about this for one second, because throughout this hour, it made me very upset, but I don't want to go too long on it. There are a lot of men commenting on what's happening to Lorena. On the stand, in the media, now looking back. Me on this show right you now. You on the show right now. But you are one of the good ones. We'll just say <laughs> it like that because you understand and you sympathize. No, this is the point I'm getting at. There were quite a few times, even in these people who we're talking to for this interview, saying like, well, she could have just left. She could have just called 911. She could have just gone to the cops. You know what? Bullshit. You can't. But she was in a place... And women are in a place who are abused in this way where they don't think they have any options. John convinced her that if she left, he would find her. It didn't matter. And there are statistics that prove that, and they quote them in this documentary, that a woman is most likely to be killed by her partner in the process of leaving or in the first six months after they've left. And it's because that man is so angry that you're actually standing up for yourself that they fucking can't stand it. And they will murder you rather than lose you or be ashamed by the fact that you left them. And there's so many more things that go into that. But like one of the things that they talked about was that at this time, there was no domestic violence hotline. There were no shelters that were funded Mm. by the government. We didn't have those things. This is what I mean when this is a lot more important. Yeah, this conversation, huge. They start showing clips of other women who've been abused, other interviews, Literally videos of policemen looking at a woman saying, I don't have enough right now to take this person in. No options. And this is then when there started to become a change. People started realizing that these women needed protection and starting to think about things in a different way. Like if a woman who's abused does lash out against her abuser, it's not always in that moment of imminent danger. So that was the thing before, right? Like self-defense, like you have to feel imminent danger. You have to be literally coming at me with a knife for me to stab you with a knife. Yeah. And then it's self-defense and I'm in my rights to do so. If someone beats someone else up or rapes them or abuses them in any way over and over and over and over again, 
there can come a point where the abuse is not happening in that second, but the woman in that moment or the man, whoever it is, has a break and temporarily can lose their mind. They don't always lose their mind. Sometimes they might say, this is my only way to get out. I'm going to shoot the fucker with a gun and run. That happens too. Yeah. But in this case, like what Lorena is saying is that it happened again and again and again. John raped her that night. She went into the kitchen. She saw the knife and she doesn't remember. But in that moment, everything flashed through her head. She has a memory of like remembering all the bad stuff. And then in her head, it cuts to she's in the car. And then freaking out. And so this is the the defense that they have to prove that this thing has happened. So so there's precedent going into this is what I'm basically all I'm trying to say of this like self-defense. What do they call it? Battered women's syndrome. But not very well talked about at this time. No, it was realm. just starting to happen. There's a lot going back and forth regarding this. John is going on talk shows and shit. He's like fodder for Stern show because if you if you ever want to get on Howard Stern's show. Just get your penis chopped off. It'll, it's pretty much a guarantee. <laughs> well, his argument everywhere he's going is that he was going to leave her. And he also says that that night, she got mad because he wouldn't have sex with her. <laughs> right. She, he wouldn't respond to her advances because he was too tired. And they're trying to play up something that I think Lorena said at some point, but I don't know if it was very clear, like a loss in translation thing, where he comes, but she never comes. And I believe Lorena reacted because he beat her up. But imagining a woman cutting a man's dick off because he sucks, he, he can't ever make her come, is somehow like amusing to me for some reason. It almost seems like she was, like you said, trying to explain, but it was lost in translation. She was freaking out. She was at the hospital. Like she was having a rape kit done. Like they were taking her statement. I think she was just trying to get across the fact that it was rape, yeah. that like he was doing what he wanted, but she was unhappy, but I don't know. Like the way that, she said it was weird. She said he had orgasm and she didn't. Yeah. And they really latched on to that sentence. But compared to everything else, that sentence does not matter. Especially with all the testimony that will come up. And a lot of the neighbors that we have met in previous episodes, if you actually testified on Lorena's behalf. Yeah. And everyone that is in their life, that at least that was around in their orbit, especially people in this apartment complex, that are interviewed in this series anyway, are completely 100% sympathetic to Lorena's plight, 100%. Yeah. There's not a lot. Maybe there's like one or two lawyers that are like, maybe try to be on John's side, but there's not a lot of people. John's speaking for himself. Not well. He comes off like a douchebag. I mean, he is. And that's pretty much all we get. It's mostly from John himself. The worst that anyone else says about Lorena thus far, other than John, is that they just believe that she was conscious and was lucid when she cut his dick off. Which is the whole argument of this trial. And I think that's a, and that's a fair argument. I mean, that's kind of hard to prove or disprove. It's for me personally, just outside looking in, I'm not on a jury. Well, do I really care if she knew what was happening or not? She had to react. And I could just see getting that boiled up and pissed, getting like so mad that you lose control of your actions, but you still are conscious, you know? I think it seemed like if she really did black out to me, it was after she cut the dick off and maybe there's some compartmentalization going on and she's like, uh, what am I going to do? Uh, I'm going to get in the car and just start driving. That is kind of what I assumed before we watched this was that she cut his dick off and then she didn't know what until she was at work. That's what I thought as far as how she didn't know where she threw the penis. Like she didn't know like all that kind of stuff. I knew she didn't remember chunks 
And you can kind of go into shock. So yeah. I kind of assumed she went into shock after it happened. Like sure. she actually was like, I can't believe I just did this. Absolutely. That's very believable. Absolutely. We see it several times. Severed penis pics. And my favorite, which I'm thinking about using for the show pick, John's uh, scrote, the naked bottom half of his body without a penis. You have to be careful because two reasons. I'm not really going to do it. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) Jesus. I don't want. Yeah, I'm going to start putting like heart, like severed, like body parts (laughs) for uh, show description. I mean, it would be hilarious, but also (laughs) it's not probably smart it, i would think it's funny but like i need to accept that what i think it's funny is not always i feel like show. maybe you make that version and just send it to your friends yeah, and then yeah. you make a real version i'll print it, it out frame it put it up in the living room i don't know about that put maybe up, in this room yeah i could go into your office print it out you may surprise not. you in your office with it be like i got you something no so here's what i would say though i would argue if we believe that someone could go into shock and not remember after having cut off a penis. But the shock of the blood, seeing the blood and all that shit. Or the what did I do or the what yeah. just happened. Could you not? And this is what I think truly. I believe her. I think that that same feeling of overwhelm and shock and like whatever happened when she did see that knife and she went through. It was almost like her abused life flashed before her eyes and everything at one time happened. And she just like became a zombie or just like spaced out. I mean, there may have been some level. There was there was some level of her that was conscious. She has no freedom. Or she couldn't have done it. She would have fallen down. She's no freedom. And uh, the only time she feels even remotely peaceful is when he's completely not there at all. Yeah. When he comes home, she's wound up. One other thing I wanted to mention before we talk about the different like psychiatrists and psychologists. Oh, he made her have an abortion. That's what I was going to talk about. She decided a little ways into their marriage to stop taking her birth control. She did not talk to him about this, but her plan was that she was married now and she was ready to have a baby. She was a virgin when she got married. Okay. So she got on birth control to not have a baby. You should talk about decisions like this with your partner, right? But she thought it's time. I'm married. I'm going to have a baby. She got pregnant. He was real weird, too. He was like, I didn't know anything about this pregnancy till she came home and told me. Well, how do you think you find out, John? <laughs> That's kind of how it John, works. John, when? How? <laughs> when? She should have fucking told him before she was pregnant. <laughs> I mean, I guess. At that moment, he made her choose. He was like, hey, your friends had abortions. Why don't you just go have an abortion? But Lorena, but- Janice had three abortions. Throwing Jana's bullshit out onto the stand. Like, that was such shit of him. You, you bet, saw. You know Jana was like, what the fuck? You saw Lorena's lady lawyer. Yeah. Kind of turn and just be like, oh my God. I can't believe he said that. But here's the thing. If you find yourself pregnant, you decide together what to do. If you decide to get an abortion. Unless your husband's You support John each Bobby. other about it. This is what I'm saying. John Bobbitt not only made her, gave her an ultimatum, which was me or the baby. She basically was like, well, I don't want to, I'm not going to leave you, right? Like she thought marriage forever. So she, I guess, is go, goes along with this abortion, but she takes her against her will. But he not only takes her and makes her do it, he makes her feel like, like a piece of shit for doing it. Yeah. He tells her, you're going to have to go where the dirty girls go. He talks about how big the needles are and how much it's going to hurt. He's not only someone forcing her to do something against her will, he's also making her feel... Like a piece of dirt. She doesn't really want to have an abortion. Therefore, she shouldn't. No, no, she shouldn't have. She should have left then. She should have said, okay, I choose the baby. 
And who knows how that would have worked out, but I mean, hopefully better than it did. I, I think, mean, I think if we could at least agree that they probably weren't ready to have a baby. No. I mean, no. imagine the, that could have been trauma for the kid, but well, well, we know this more now. Before I knew that, I actually said to you, I think after the first episode, I'm really glad they didn't have children. Yeah. There was a lady who went in, I don't remember her name, but she went in. Lorena worked at a nail salon. Mm-hmm. This is before all this happened. She goes in and she's getting her nails did. And Lorena rolls up her sleeves and her arms are covered in bruises and her yeah. wrist just looks like it's been ringed to death. Lorena notices her noticing it and she kind of gets very self-conscious. This lady starts talking to her and she's like, look, you can come stay with me, whatever you need to do. And the lady talked about how she got even more and more scared. And Lorena was like, no, he'll kill me and he'll kill you too. Mm-hmm. He will kill me. He will kill us both. And this lady did everything she could. She really wanted Lorena to, to girl, let's leave right now. We yeah. go right now. Laverne and Shirley, you know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel, Shlemazo, Hasenbeff Incorporated. But she's got to leave. Lorena won't go. She's like a working mom. She's busy. She don't sit around the news. Also, she didn't realize Lorena's name was Lorena. She had written down Lena. Lena. In her planner. So she the whole time. And Lorena's so polite and meek that she didn't correct the woman when she called her by the wrong name. So she didn't realize at first, even by the name, that it was anything related. So she's sitting around at home. Pops on TV, which she said she doesn't do that much. The news is on. It's the end of Bobbitt's rape defense trial. I think it's right when it's all over. And she sees that woman. What she thought was Lena was Lorena. And she's like, oh shit, that's that woman. Mm -hmm. So she calls the courthouse. She gets a hold of the prosecutor. Remember, the prosecutor that prosecuted John is also the DA that's prosecuting Lorena. Yes. This is very interesting. (laughs) It's actually interesting how the series built. This whole series long, he's coming off like this real dry kind of I really didn't like him very much. Yeah, he seemed almost like too old world about it, like a little too plain about it. She calls, she gets a hold of this guy and he's like, well, look, the jury's in. I really could have used you, but the jury's deliberating right now. But he knows that Lorena's defense trial is coming. He's going to be the DA trying to prosecute her. But he gives this woman Lorena's defense attorney's name. Yeah. And then they link up throughout that trial. He later ends, also ends up giving this woman the name of like a psychologist. He was the forensic psychologist? Yeah. Something, something forensic. But he, earlier in the trial, had said that he thought Lorena... Completely premeditated. He didn't believe that she didn't know what she was doing. He talks to this woman and he changes his story. Yeah. Because after hearing this woman say it was, what, three days before the incident that this woman saw her and Lorena's saying to her, like, no, he's going to kill me. And being so scared to death that she's shaking. Yeah. It was proof to him when she was on the stand and she gave her testimony. Yeah. And then it was the prosecutor's turn. Yeah. And he said, no questions. No questions. And then there's this picture. The camera gets him. He yeah. turns and I swear to God, he smiled. Yeah. Like, I swear to God, he smiled because he was just like, okay. In current interviews, he's kind of playing it off. He's being very <laughs> modest. But this fucking prosecutor pointedly made it a point to go very soft on Lorena because he didn't want to actually prosecute her. And that's when he did really kind of side smile. Yeah. was in the current day. <laughs> and he was like, well, it's like any other case. Let's, let's go for it and see what happens. And that's what we did. 
And, John, and then he kind of gets this little sad smile. But also with Lorena's extremely emotional testimony, mm. John's dumbass tripping over himself on the stand. He got plenty of assistance in that department. It wasn't yeah. just him alone. He, he got the vibe that he did his job, but it's just funny, these little details. I would put money on the fact that he didn't do anything that could be questionable on paper oh, yeah. or like against the law. He did he did everything to defend or to prosecute her as he should have. I believe that. But I also believe that he's a good dude. <laughs> so total turnaround on him as a character. Yeah. But uh, we didn't get a verdict yet, did we? No. All right. The jury's out. The jury's out. Well, let's go in and see what the jury's got to say. Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> Not guilty. By, Not guilty. By reason of insanity. So I guess we can just go on home and forget this whole ordeal. Mm-mm. There's a little bit of confusion on Lorena's part. Stop licking me, Betty. The dog is down at my legs. <laughs> he likes to lick my stomach. Don't to talk lick- about it. He has a really big tongue. It's like a weirdly big tongue, and it feels like a person is licking you. <laughs> and we know because lots of people have licked us. So. <laughs> We know. <laughs> but yeah, our Shih Tzu has a tongue that feels like a human tongue. <laughs> Let's move on before this becomes a very different podcast. <laughs> okay, so not guilty, but because it was by reason of insanity. Virginia law dictates. That you have to spend 45 days in a psychiatric forensic hospital. State ho- state mental hospital. To determine, you know, are you okay? Are you going to be cutting off more dicks? More badicks? It seems like the cure for temporary insanity is just time and maybe getting away from the scenario that made you temporarily insane. There's so much to talk about. We don't need to spend too much on this, but I know that it was hard for her to be in there. She was dealing with some shit, but she realized it was just something else she needed to get through and she started using the therapy, working the program, I guess, for lack of a better word, and it really did help her come to terms Somewhat with like dealing with the bad memories and the more she talked about it, the easier it became to talk about it. And so when she got out, she went back to court and the judge agreed with the doctors that she didn't need to be in the hospital anymore. She goes out to kind of address the crowd and, you know, they say like, you look like a different woman. What is different? And she's like, you know, I use the time in the hospital to as a learning experience and I feel like I'm more mature now and I've grown. And she really did. Yeah. And then it was really cute because they're like what do you want men to think about you now and she didn't take it to herself she took it to the bigger picture and said well men have to have a little bit more consideration and respect a woman and then her lawyer was like peace while she's up in hospital time john does a porno called bob it uncut he also does another porno after he gets a penis enlargement surgery 
The penis enlargement. Obviously, that's something that sticks in his brain. Is part of the film. There was two pornos: John Wayne Bobbitt on yeah, where he's just regular just John Bobbitt. Bobbitt, and then Franken Penis, and that's the one where he gets. I've never seen either of these. Look, I've seen plenty of porn, but I've not watched the Bobbitt porns. No, I I knew that he did at least one porn. I'd heard of the Franken Penis porn. I didn't really know about the other one. I have not seen his porn. The first movie had a movie screening premiere. Like, they were comparing it to Deep Throat. He was on Oliver Howard Stern. Howard Stern was, like, asking him about the money and where the money's going. Where do the profits go? Does it go into a... Uh, an escrow an account? An escrow account? Yeah, it goes in an escrow account and Jack Gordon's account. Oh, it does? Yeah. Oh, Jack, Jack Gordon. Gordon really? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it was going into Jack Gordon's account. Well, then you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> I mean, you've got Honest Jack on your side, so uh, there's yeah. no problem there. Yeah, not a problem. That's right. Basically, he does star in one of the most popular porns ever, but he's essentially signed all the money over to this dude. I could easily do a search and look at uh, clips from these movies, and I appreciate Joshua Rofi, the director of this, showing us the severed penis. And Multiple times. And especially the, the picture of him naked from the waist down. Multiple times. With his dick cut off, all the scrotes hanging out there. Mm-hmm. But you should have showed us his erect penis. I wanted to see the Franken penis. It's not a sexual thing. Everyone wants to see everyone's penis. That's well, a that, fact. Yeah. Well, that's why the first movie was so popular. And the director even said, I know everybody's just going to fast forward the fucking film until they see the penis. That's all they want is to see the penis. But he didn't care. Because he's like, this is going to make me so much money. So then, again, John's broke, like you said. He decides to do this other movie, this Franken penis. He hires this doctor who he's all, I did all this research. This is the best doctor in the world. He's on Howard Stern with this doctor. Apparently, John is only good if he's on Howard Stern. Like, that's how he, he's only quality if he's with Howard Stern, I feel like. Like, that's his level of, like. He's just a part of Howard's demented rogues gallery. Sure, sure. But to him, that's, like, probably a big deal, you know? Like, he's back in favor. But Howard makes fun of him to his face and is like, you couldn't stand not having attention. Yeah. So you decided to like fucking mutilate yourself for a porn. Yeah. And so he's going to get this penis extension. The doctor's on stern with him. They're all talking about how oh, he's done so many successful surgeries and he's such a famous doctor. And then this shit happens and they film it and it's part of the movie. So there's like surgery in this Franken weenie. Yeah. Franken penis, whatever. But he, it mutilates him essentially. Yeah. And the doctor has to, is forced to stop practicing. Well, whatever version of medicine he's claiming to do because he fucked up a lot of people i don't know if people came forward after john so publicly was fucked up by him but this guy had count after count after count of person who he fucked up their penis this dude was not a good doctor right the worst thing to happen to john's penis was not when lorena cut it off <laughs> He actually banked off of that. And he, uh, he did literally bank and then blew it all or signed contracts where he got nothing. The urologist didn't get paid shit. Oh, yeah. He went bankrupt. Yeah. And so part of what he went bankrupt for was all of his hospital payments. So he never made any of those payments. But Lorena, in the meantime, is trying to get a few bucks because she's got to pay legal fees. And she knows she's got to movie a story in her it's not as probably as bad a contract as what john ended up with but Jana, her old friend Jana, managed to get like a 15 percent cut 
And that's separate from what her manager is getting. Jana is like the only person who has not been interviewed, is not interviewed yeah. in this documentary series because I'm assuming of this part of the story where she ends up looking like a monster kind of because she's taking advantage. I think in the beginning, I think there was something virtuous about Jana. I do too. But the spectacle, just she got wrapped up in it and she became greedy just like everyone else. And then Lorena felt then used by her friend and just felt like everyone around her was trying to get something. So she basically cut ties with Jana, which meant the movie didn't happen. Yeah. So then Lorena didn't have any money. She just wanted to move on. And her family has come up from Venezuela to support her. Mm -hmm. But this drives her to go back to school, get an education, and work to make money for her family. She comes from a very traditionalized background. And her faith is still important to her. But based upon her situation, it's like, I can't just wait for a man. I've never seen someone evolve as much as I've seen Lorena evolve. Oh, I know. Like, she goes from someone who's just so abused, who doesn't think highly of herself at all, to literally, by the end of this series, one of the most strongest and hardworking people you'd ever meet. Absolutely. And she actually, from her experience with all the media circus, and the mental institution, and just the scenario of having to have friends and then distrust them like that. Like it, she grows up fucking quick and she's in a position where she has to take care of her family. But Bobbit, he's so, the doorman at the bunny ranch. Yeah. Doorman at the bunny ranch. Bunny ranch is a, in Nevada sex work is legal to a certain extent. Yeah. These women are escorts. Essentially the guy who ran it. I can't remember his name. Doesn't matter. He's a self-admitted media shill. And he's like, this was, he could advertise in this way. To have Bobbit just greet Johns that come in. Because you can't you can't advertise. That's the thing. Right. You cannot advertise, but you can promote. So he could have someone write an article about him. Or he could, you know, go on a talk show or like a morning radio show with John Bobbitt. But he can't have an ad because it's yeah. sex work. And so... So people walk in and they're legitimately surprised that fucking... I, I went here to get up in a lady and Bo- John Bobbitt's standing there. Or they went there to meet John Bobbitt and then end up getting drunk with him in the corner. And the ladies are like, what the fuck, John? That's our job. You're taking our money. They try to give John certain things to do, like bartend or limo drive. But it turns out John's not fucking good at anything. He's actually barely good at just greeting people at a door. Yeah. he's. I, th- I mean, it's obvious that he's a total alcoholic. And he just never stopped. There is one point where... A bad drunk. Well, yeah, there's one point where the lady who is... I don't know what her title is, but essentially, in old school terms, the madam of the bunny ranch. She tells him, you're not allowed to drink at the bar anymore. Like, you cannot drink on premises. You are too crazy when you drink. I guess he got drunk and she fired him. And uh, things almost came to blows. Well, yeah, but then but then his whole fucking family rolls up into her house, which is in the middle of nowhere, in like, I think she said five or six trucks. All his brothers and like uncles and shit, like get out of cars and are basically threatening her they have to that she needs to hire John back. Yeah. Like what kind of bullshit His family is fucked. Yeah. Fucked. Then he takes off. With one of the ladies from the ranch. Desiree. We see her talk. I mean, she pops in a little in, later in the Bunny Ranch story, but he takes off. Turns out he's been stealing all these clothes and trying to hawk them back to the same store chain. And he's wanted. He doesn't really explain that to Desiree, 
he and Desiree have been hooking up. Who'd who'd want to hook up with this fuckhead? I don't know. But it's against the rules if you work at the Bunny Ranch. You don't you don't sleep with the uh, the other your fellow employees. They fucking take off and go to New York. You make you can make some good money being an escort. And she has she has a good chunk of change. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I have I have no money. I have nothing. And she ends up supporting him for. A very long time. She sets him up in an apartment in New York, and then she still lives in Nevada, and she drives back and forth to visit him while she's paying for his rent, probably also giving him cash, she said for two or three years. Wow. Should I tell about their breakup now at this point? All you, go So after two to three years, she's like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. So she goes to the apartment in New York and she tells John, I want to make it so that my name is not on this lease anymore. It's just you and you're responsible. And he flips his shit and he starts beating her. It beats her. Beats her. He hangs her over the railing of the apartment, which is something he threatened to do to Lorena. Like he backed Lorena onto a railing of an apartment balcony at one point and said, I could throw you over and tell people that you jumped. He hangs this woman by her feet. Like he's holding the bottoms of her legs and just letting her hang there. He eventually pulls her back into the house. She says that he says to her, you're my Lorena now. Yeah, he t- he says that. He ties her up on the bed and he proceeds to rape and sodomize her and beat her for days. He says the Lorena thing, you're my Lorena. He says, neither one of you are ever going to get away from me. He probably would have killed her, but she was such a survivor that she lasted through that horrible ordeal. By the way, we don't see Desiree's face in this, and I do not blame her at all. I totally understand. If you want to keep your anonymity, I am I think it's just brave that she told her story herself, right? Yeah. But she takes off. She sees an opening and she runs. She pretends to be dead. Like, that's uh, the thing. Like, right. she pretends to be dead. And he thinks she's dead. And he goes and starts gathering blankets to wrap up her body to probably go dump her body. Like, that's how fucked up. Yeah, she runs. As soon as she's completely untied, she gets the fuck out of there. And she went to the police, but in so often, there's actually a woman that comes on at this point and talks about it. As in so many domestic situations, she files a police report and she gets like a protection order, but she doesn't say half of what he did to her. Yeah. She basically t- says that he beat her up. She doesn't talk about the rape at all. And I don't know if she talked about how long it was. She got a protection order, but she didn't tell the full story. So he did get in trouble, but he wasn't in jail for that long. There was a witness at their trial of a of a kid that actually saw through the people John dragging her down the hallway. And this sparks a bigger conversation which is really what this whole documentary series is about regarding sexual abuse yeah and nicole is murdered by oj we can all just fucking say that now and that's an obvious domestic abuse scenario it's it was a good thing lorena cut his dick off it was Mm -hmm. good for him because that gave him the best chance to get out of his loser hole which he blew Mm -hmm. and it was Ultimately good for the country because it sparked a conversation that was not spoken to very much. It's kind of weird. As far as John goes, I mean, I don't want to say that's the best thing in Lorena's life because she grew to become a better person after that. And she had better things that, you know, the tabloids won't talk about. 
But getting his fucking dick cut off, that was the best thing that happened to John. It was Wayne like Bob. his big break. Haha. <laughs> 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 and it, but yeah. it was. It was his big break, and he blew it. It was supposed to be a really good cut too, like a solid swipe. Oh yeah, one of the jurors said that she could have been a surgeon. Yeah. Um. Still can. Right. So more things start coming out about other, like John got married a couple times. There were a couple other women that he abused. He kept getting in trouble for domestic violence. It seems like every woman that he's with, it's like a little montage of his scenarios Mm -hmm. that it fails. And then they go talk and they say, talk about how he either beat them. And one woman's talking about, I like how his dick kind of worked, but like, it wasn't like anything yeah, there's a quote in a newspaper that's basically like, yeah, he can have sex, but it's not pleasant. Like that's, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but that was pretty much it. This is about when we kind of flip back over into talking more. Oh, P.S. He still claims he's completely innocent of every single one of these. I didn't hit her. She hit me. Everything is like, she did this first. She did this first on every account. It's so ridiculous. So then we cut to kind of what's happening in the country a little bit again, right? And this is when Joe Biden... And Orrin Hatch Hatch come across the lines. Orrin Hatch, uh, the eighth sexiest Mormon oh, in Utah. Oh, is that that same guy? By Mormon Hunks Magazine, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so he's in all the documentary series that we watch. Or that wasn't a documentary series. He was in the RBG. Oh, that was it? Okay. Yeah. They cross party lines and come together to write, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like, it's basically a protection of women against domestic violence it it gets government funded and that's how that begins yeah and so that's kind of happening that's what i'm saying it's good he cut his it's good she cut his it is ultimately 100 it is also i'm glad she cut his dick off that's great i am too cool i mean because listen this is happening in the country lorena is has gone to school she's starting to have like Real relationships with people. She meets a very nice guy. She meets a nice guy who treats her really well. They look super happy together. They're still together. They're still together. They have a baby. At least one. It was hard to tell from the photos. They may have more than one kid. She starts going to domestic violence shelters and talking about what happened to her. And the more she does that, the more she realizes that these women's stories are just like her story. The more she wants to talk to them and help them and lift them up. And she starts working with children. And she's still, she's working with women, but she's doing things like, like anything she can in the community to help wherever she can. She's buying Christmas presents for people that don't have Christmas presents when she might not have enough money to buy her own. Her husband talks about her with such reverence and like... It's so, I feel like I'm going to cry. It's so sweet. He talks about how she's just such a giver and how she's always just wanted to help people. And also, she's hot. She is hot. <laughs> so, score score for you, husband. She's a really great person. This is the part where it just, all of a sudden, I just out loud said, she was so much better than him. She was way too good for him. Right, it's insane. It's insane how much better of a person she is than him. She just, when she came to America, she met him within months. She didn't know shit. I know. And he was a man in a uniform. He seemed like a proper gentleman, I'm sure, when they first met. And when you're a predator like that, when you have that control, and we hear John talk about how his dad used to beat his mom and, and his mom's brothers used to beat up his dad for beating up his mom. Then his mom went crazy. We hear a story of like abuse in his family and like creeper molester uncles and getting attacked. A brief humanizing moment of John Bobbitt. And we see him, his like own 
like end montage and he has personalized license plates on his motorcycle and his i guess car or truck let's say like trump and dj, DJ trump. trump now i'm not shocked you know i think i think john should try to fuck trump and just videotape that you know <laughs> why not he should just have a second dick put on that would be the next yeah. thing right? like two dicks I think you need to write them, but don't put your return address. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Is this what you're going to talk about? The creepy part? The end? Yeah. Yeah. Which might be, to me, one of the most shocking parts of the whole thing. And yet not surprising at the same time. Lorena pulls out a stack of like letters. And I, I at first I'm like, oh, this is all like fan letters. Fan letters because it's all addressed to Lorena. And there's like cards and letters and so, so much stuff across a table full. Years worth. So many that she hasn't even opened them all. Turns out they're all from John Bobbitt. Not from when they were together, Mm-mm. but after the fiasco for years going on, this dude has been writing her letters saying things like, I just wanted to let you know that I thought about you today. And like always, you made me smile. You are also in my dreams. Love always, John. While while she's talking about these letters, <laughs> we see him in like at a gun range and he's wearing like a Punisher shirt. Remember when you told me that I didn't know how to treat a woman? Well, you were right. I didn't know how to treat or love you. I did took a long hard look at myself and I deeply regret being the way I was, and I think it has a lot to do with being a cold-hearted, insensitive, self-centered, combat warrior. You notice how anyone who's wearing a Punisher shirt, the Punisher would shoot the kind of people <laughs> who wear Punisher shirts. Man, I wish the Punisher would go take a visit to John Bobbitt. I mean, the Punisher would at least, like, break his legs. Or oh, yeah. Or cut off one of his arms or something, you know? I, I read comics a lot as a kid. Punisher don't like wife beaters at all. No. Oh, John also said that he did serve some time because he keeps beating women and that he would get attacked in prison. And I didn't feel bad for him. No. And, uh, but yeah. He's been sending her letters for years and years. And you could tell the director asked him what was what's up with the letters. And John goes, I think she contacted me first. And while he's trying to do these weird excuses, we're getting like Facebook messengers yeah. shit and like letters and shit where he's like, oh, we could get back together. That'd be a true love story. If we could get so many exclusive interviews, if we just got back together and got married again. John is there, and he's trying to deflect, claiming that Lorena wants this. And then he goes on, like, Me and Lorena getting back together, that would be the ultimate love. Yeah, and if we could just get together and get together, like, that'd be great. And Lorena is like, Leave me alone. I mean, it's, it's like, I cut his penis off. I mean, just leave me alone. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's the series. Uh, now, Angela. Yeah. We don't rate movies in a star. We don't rate documentary series in a star rating scale. Nope. It's a series. And we're doing a lot more of these lately. We rate these in Errol Morris's. I'm going to give this one through five Errol Morris's. You're going to give this one through five Errol Morris's. 
And then we're going to combine them for best out of 10 Errol Morris's. What did you think of this documentary series, Lorena, by Joshua Rofe or Rofe or Rofe or Rafi? <laughs> I liked it a lot. I always enjoy court footage. Oh, yeah. So episode two and three, I was about it. It was very difficult to watch at some points. I got really angry during some points. The editing was very good, I thought. Going back and forth between the testimony, especially to drive the point home of how polar opposite these testimonies were. We haven't talked yet at all about the fact that there are not reenactments, but there are like reimaginings of situations. It's more, it reminds me of Errol Morris, actually, yeah. which is why I kind of got excited when you said Errol Morris's name. I was like, okay, I'm ready. Because I thought that multiple times through the series, because it's not like a woman playing Lorena, but. There might be a shot of the back of a woman's head that had curly black hair like she did sitting in a situation that's blurry like a hospital. Police uniform responding to a a call. It seems to me like Joshua Rofi saw what Errol Morris does with reenactments. is like, oh, that's how you do it. I really enjoyed that aspect of it because we know how much I hate reenactments and how they're done so terribly. But this was really, really handled very well. But not overdone. Not they're at very all. brief. It was, there was so much actual footage of this because of when it happened that we really got a lot of footage with them. And they were painting pictures of things we didn't have video of or giving us those feelings with just a few images. And it was great. The only thing I would say that I didn't like, and it only happened once and it was weird, was that there was one tiny Lorena Goes Crazy montage And that was a little bizarre because it didn't feel in line with everything else. All that being said, I think this was an important series. I feel like we've been watching a lot of things lately that have looked back on when we were younger. Being a grown-up now and knowing the real details surrounding these situations, it's interesting how important these things were that at the time seemed like just tabloidy things. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm pretty much with you. And I liked how this, I mean, I should have known it was coming. Because obviously there's, all this is centered around domestic abuse. And that's the bigger issue. Yes. But then, but of course, by the end of the series, I'm like, of course, this is actually just about domestic abuse. I mean, it's hard not to talk about this story. It's such a sensational story. And it is fascinating at every level that you look at. You kind of can't blame people for being like, so focused on the fact that a guy got his penis cut off. Absolutely. But it's but but it is tragic that the domestic violence part of it wasn't played up more. It was maybe more forgotten once John went off to be whatever schmuck who was too much of a dirtbag for everything he was around and too dumb to watch his money. What a loser, dude. Mm-hmm. What a loser. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. I feel like we're in the age of like, John's not successful, but but we're in the age of like rich losers. You know, mm. like, yeah, like uh, the president is a schmuck. Yeah. It's like, it's like an embarrassment. And I th- as of right now, there's this college admission scandal thing that's, I just that's heard like about coming this. on. And it's not a shock to anyone that rich people uh, have to bribe people to get their stupid kids in Ivy League schools. But it is interesting that this is news. The fact that it's news is what makes it news. And, it, and this is what I'm talking about, the age of the rich loser. We're getting all these signs of the illusion of a merit-based society. And actually, most people that are just put in positions to control things are stupid fucking assholes. And we're fucking ourselves over by propping them up. I went off on a tangent. I didn't mean to. But 
I like how it went into the greater issue of domestic yes. violence. Yes. And it did it in a way, it ended in a hopeful, very hopeful way, despite you know, the weird letters that John's still sending Lorena. But it wasn't like hokey. It wasn't like a Hallmark card kind of bullshit. And I really appreciate that because sometimes when you're trying to force a message, it can, even if the message is good, it can come off like kind of like ham-fisted, like you're trying too fucking hard. But Rofi, actually, I thought played that out very well. They were really careful too. I feel like at the end, it was hopeful, but it wasn't like the problem is better now. There's still a long way to go. If something like this happened today in our current climate, it may be handled the exact same way in the media. Yeah. And we need to think about that. Things are different, but things aren't that different. Like, yeah. you can't stop progress, ultimately. Like, no, at some point, most most people just don't give a fuck if you're gay, you know? And they, then they move on. You can see society sway in these ways. We need to make sure that these things that dictate to us, not even just politicians, but media. I mean, I criticize media all the time. I don't watch any cable... 24-hour cable news networks. There was someone in this uh, documentary, and I don't want to disparage them. It seems like they do a lot of good work regarding domestic violence, but it was listed as Huffington Post journalist. Yeah. And it's like, when I read the Huffington Post, regardless of whether or not I agree with the article, I don't read the Huffington Post and think journalism. And mm. I think that's a big problem, too, is that our standards are so low. And I don't mean to... I don't want to criticize the media in the way Donald Trump does because Donald Trump just wants the media to regurgitate his bullshit. Right. He pretty much has his own network in Fox news right now. Yeah. But media, they have this habit of pretending when the pendulum of society goes away, goes a certain way and they go with it. Media has this bad habit of acting like it was always there the whole time. Yeah. When really they are often complicit and have been a part of it. For a very long time. And I know media doesn't look good in this documentary series, but I don't fucking care what news outlet you're talking about. Everything's with a grain of salt. And you know what? All those motherfuckers are just reading like six newspapers and regurgitating shit and spinning shit. Like there is real journalism out there. It's like the few papers that are left and all these fucking talking head bullshits are just reading six to ten newspapers and spinning things the way they want. And those are dying. And those are dying. <laughs> That's going to suck because the little modicum of actual news we get is from those papers that are dying. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> I guess this is also about media as well. I think it's about media and domestic violence and God. You know? Yeah, that's enough. But it ends hopefully. Yeah. And unless you're John Wayne Bobbitt, then you just look like an insufferable loser with Trump personalized license plates. But Lorena, as this series is called, looks to be doing better than ever. And not only better than ever, but legitimately helping people in her life. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, she's a winner in my eyes. So I just want to say thank you, Lorena, for cutting that loser's dick off. We really appreciate it. How many Mr. Rogerses Do you, you give Lorena? Lorena? Give her four. Solid four. I think so, too. And that's... How many Errol Morrises I'm going to give this? Yeah. Four. This is probably the most enjoyable documentary series overall that yeah. we've watched so far. We haven't watched many, so hopefully we'll get This more. is definitely the most enjoyable yeah. series we've watched for this show. So you take your four Errol Morrises with my 
four Errol Morrises, combine them like a microsurgeon reattaching a severed penis. Eight out of ten Errol Morrises. Awesome. Angela, I got an idea. Okay. For a book deal show. Okay. You cut my penis off. No. Right? <laughs> no. No. No, because um, that'd be really expensive to fix. I've been thinking about getting my... <laughs> That's the only reason? I've been thinking about... Can't hurt you. Right, because I'm not like a wife beater rapist. Did you hear that, people? I'm not a wife beater rapist. <laughs> he is not. But I am thinking about adding a couple feet to my penis. <laughs> hey, that might be useful. We have like four dogs that sleep between us on the beds. <laughs> we can... Wait, so I can throw my dick I over just the can't take that out. <laughs> no, leaving it in, leaving it in, and that's what we're gonna go out on. All right, folks. Eight out of ten hurt. <laughs> Errol Morris's Arena. A Joshua Rofi. <laughs> Keep on docking. <laughs>